I have one of the things as part of my my package in this world is a hypersensitivity to rejection. I will try and avoid a no at all costs. And I will pre-plan my encounters with people to engineer them so that I don't end up in that situation because it's extremely difficult for me. I'm Tanya, and you are listening to season two of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Schneier and Gittel Roth in honor of Ari and Sarah Herson on the birth of their son. May he grow up to be a source of nachas to his parents and grandparents. Thank you to the Roths for making today's episode happen. If you would like to sponsor an episode, or become a paying subscriber of the podcast on Patreon, where you can give a small amount each month to support the growth of the podcast, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash humanandholy, or email us at humanandholy at gmail.com. Today's episode kicks off a three-part series that we are doing in honor of Pesach, and I am so excited for because Pesach is just this magical time in the Jewish calendar that celebrates personal and collective freedom. The freedom that we experienced thousands of years ago and the freedom that we can experience every day. This year, we're going to take a deep dive into this holiday together and hear from a range of voices on how they experience the messages of Pesach in their lives. We have a lot of good stuff lined up for you. So as you begin to order your matzah or clean your house for Pesach, Maybe even just, you know, consider in the back of your mind that Pesach is coming someday soon. <laughs> I hope you'll tune in to join us on this three-part journey into the heart of the holiday of freedom. Today, in our first episode of the series, I bring you a conversation with Rifka Mazal Tauber, where we explore what it means to leave our personal Egypts, not just once, thousands of years ago, but every single day in our lives. Rifka shares her own daily experiences of freedom from her limitations and gives us insight about what form Yitzias Mitzrayim can take in our daily lives. Hi, I am Rifka Mazal Tauber, and I am a human, godly soul living in Yerushalayim. I get the opportunity to teach and write and do a lot of other cool, awesome things that I'm grateful to do. And I'm excited to be sharing here today. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the exodus from Egypt, about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and we'll talk a little bit about how you've experienced that in your life, how we can experience that in our lives. Coming up to Pesach, I'm so excited to just explore what it means to go out of Egypt and what it means for us to go out of Egypt every day. So why don't you begin by sharing a little bit about what you've learned on this topic? Yeah. So I'm really excited to get into this. This is a concept in Chassidus that comes up again and again. 
starting all the way, I'm sure before, but in Tanya, pretty much all of the Rebbeim talk about it in, in some context, in some form. Specifically today, we'll be looking at Perak Mem Zion of Tanya, and we'll be looking at a mimer of the Rebbe entitled Kimei Tzeischa from Tavshin Lamed Tess. And in this mimer, the Rebbe really expounds on this concept of leaving the triumph and how it's a daily idea that we go through and how it really answers a question that is, if we keep going through it, what are we accomplishing every time we go through this process? And how can we go through this process in a way that allows us to access higher light and ultimately bring the true, complete gula to the world? So Yitzhiz Mitzrayim was a historical phenomenon of historical event that took place when the Jews left Mitzrayim. Hasidus teaches that it is also an internal process that we go through. It's work that we do every single day to actually leave Egypt again. In Paragmim Zion of Tanya, it starts out that in every single generation, in every single day, a person is obligated to see himself as if he left Mitzrayim that day. What is this Mitzrayim that we're leaving? What's going on here? And the Altarva continues and he says, this is the leaving, the freedom, the escape of our godly soul from the imprisonment of our bodies. That is literally what it means. And what I would like to expand that to mean is that it's every time that our godly soul is able to express itself beyond the limitations that the physical world expresses itself. The world that we look around at tells us a lot of things that we can and cannot do. And it seems like it's impossible to express ourselves as our godly selves, as our unlimited godly potential. And this UTS rhyme that we go through is every moment and every time that we're able to actually see ourselves as agents of an infinite God and express that in our day-to-day life. And we'll get into what that looks like and, and how I've experienced that. But what the Alter Rebbe continues to say, he says, and this is done through being involved and in, in working with Torah and mitzvahs, and specifically the time of day that it is specifically done is when we say Kriya Shema, when we recite the Shema every single day, morning and night, is when we accept upon us God's will, and that's when we fully leave Mitzrayim in this sense. It's when we're fully able to experience our godly soul because it's that time when we're seeing the world in that way. We're recognizing that the world is really one with God. And when we recognize that the world is one with God, then my soul is able to fulfill its purpose for being here. To like see the bigger picture and not to get bogged down by like our own personal limitations. Exactly. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. And what I want to define for a moment is sort of like, what are those limitations that we encounter from the world? And the reason that it's important is because one of the things that Hasidus teaches us is that the root of Mitzrayim is this idea of limitation. The root word Mitzrayim, which is Egypt, is the word Metzar, which is a constraint, a limitation. And Mitzrayim, the spiritual source of Mitzrayim in this world, is anything that limits us and holds us back from unlimited potential. There are limitations that come from the outside, from Klippa, which are limitations of 
whether it's not feeling good enough or just our, our own limited self or that we can't do something or that we feel inadequate or, or worthless or, or things like that. And then there's actually Mitzar and there are actually also limitations that come from Kedusha, which is when things have to follow a certain order for them to be expressed, when things can only happen as a cause and effect, which is the whole idea of the way this world was created, that's also a limitation that we need to get out of. So interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really like not to depend on cause and effect. Exactly. That we need to get out of this space where we need to rely on cause and effect. So the things that limit us, you know, so like there are things that we're very intimately familiar with, right? Like the things that like get us very frustrated about ourselves. Like we have habits, we have personalities, we have limiting beliefs about ourselves or about other people. There's even like time and space is an expression of a limitation because time and space is, is a limited commodity, which is actually why we have to traverse that in this world. And the reality is, is that our nishamas that we are invested in are actually unlimited beings, unlimited light. They come from unlimited light. So therefore, the fact that we even have to be constrained by time makes no sense for a godly soul. Like the fact that I can only do one thing at a time is actually counterintuitive to my most inner godly self. So I'm going to take it a step back. So the rabbit starts to take this idea of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And the place that we actually come to, that this Maimar actually starts off from, is this Pasuk in Mika, where Mika is describing what will happen to the Yidin if they don't listen to Hashem and to Torah Mitzvahs. And he ultimately actually starts to prophecy about the future redemption. And he says that just like the days that you left Mitzrayim, I will show you great wonders. And this raises a whole slew of red flags in Hasidus and, and questions that were like, one second, what's going on here? Because if we know and we understand the story of actual Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the actual Exodus, Yitzhak Mitzrayim happened in one day. And not only in one day, it happened in one moment. You could look at a clock and say 1159 or the minute before Chatzais on the night of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the Jews were still slaves in Mitzrayim. And at 1201 or the minute after Chatzais, the Jews were freed. We never went back to that state. Even if we went into Galus, even if whatever happened to the Jews, we were never slaves again to Mitzrayim. So in most of the Pesukim, any time that it references Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it says, Yom Mitzrayim, the day that you left Mitzrayim. So Hasidus has the question of how is this Pasuk like the days? What are these days? There was only ever one day that we left Mitzrayim. And what the Rebbe shares, which is like so incredible, is that every single day from when we left Mitzrayim until the future redemption is one process. There, all these days from that day 3,000 years ago until today is all part of one process of the days of leaving Mitzrayim. Why? Because every single day we're leaving Mitzrayim again. Every single day we go through this process of leaving Mitzrayim, of recognizing that there's a limit in front of me, recognizing that I'm in fact my godly soul, and then choosing to act as a godly soul instead of acting as the limitations that are presenting to me. And every moment that I reunify with my godly soul and recognize that I'm a godly soul and I'm not these limitations that are presenting to me, 
I am in fact leaving Mitzrayim again, and these are the days of leaving Mitzrayim. Now, the question that can sometimes come up with that is, in a second, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like, where does this get to? Like, okay, great. I did it yesterday. I did it today. And so what? Like, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. So if we want to understand what we're doing when we leave Mitzrayim, we can look at that model, which is the Jews never returned to Mitzrayim. When you leave a Mitzrayim that you are within, you never go back to it. What happens instead? We reach another level. We come to a new expression of limitations because we are expanding, and therefore those borders or those constraints are expanding. And what happens as we keep breaking these barriers, and especially as we keep breaking these barriers in the last days of Gullahs, we're going to be breaking these metzarim, these limitations, to the point where there are no more, and we enter this state of geula. So I actually find this idea extremely comforting because it's an idea that reminds us that we're not just endlessly doing work. We're actually accomplishing something with our work, and we're actually coming to a new place in who we are and what we're accomplishing when we do this work. So beautiful. What comes to mind is this metaphor that a teacher once said that really stuck with me. She said that your comfort zone is not something that you step out of. Your comfort zone begins as rigid elastic. And then every time you lean on that comfort zone, you soften the elastic and stretch it. And then every time you stretch it and stretch it and stretch it and stretch it, you change. And it's not just that your comfort zone changes and something stops being outside of your comfort zone, but it's that you've stretched. We are made of elastic. When we go out of our own personal limitations, we are, of course, being changed because we're stretching ourselves. It's not like we're going and we're coming back. You go and you never come back. Yes, you might come back to the same challenge, quote unquote, and it seems like it's the same situation, but you don't see that micro way that you've been stretching through that practice. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I would love, love if you could share any examples from your life where you've experienced that. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and then maybe we could get a little bit into whether or not you felt the change or whether you did feel like you were constantly coming back to the same limitations. So I remember when I was introduced to this concept, I mean, it was a concept that was like familiar to me, but it was something probably the first time that I really like sat with this idea of like this infinite element of our godly soul and like what it really contains. And it was just like this moment where I was like, wow, that's me. And it was just like this moment of being like, oh, that's true. And sometimes like the most deep Torah that we encounter is when we're able to hear it and we hear it within ourselves. And we're like, that that resonates. That, that is who I am. And at that point in my life, I was 18 and I had gone on, my teenage years were not straightforward. Let's just say that. And I had gone through a lot of mental health work and internal work at that point already. I want to say that like I didn't fully understand who I was. I was more just trying to get through the things that were limiting me, the things that were extremely hard and painful. And I remember I was starting to develop this concept of of who I am and, and that I am a godly soul. And I remember bringing that into my mind as I was I was trying to work something through inside I remember that first time when I asked myself the question, how would I approach this 
as my godly soul. And that moment was transformative. It was so huge. And it wasn't that I suddenly, like suddenly nothing else existed. Those things still existed. But I realized that there was a higher plane to tap into. That there was something more here that I can consider in this equation. It's not just me versus problem. It's Mm. a higher self versus problem. There's something to bring into this equation. And there's something that's being revealed in this equation. And I remember about two years later or three years later, I remember I, I came back to this idea again. I was like, what is this for? Am I even getting anywhere? Like I keep doing this thing and it keeps empowering me, but I keep facing similar things. I keep hitting that same rock. And I didn't yet know this piece of chassidus. I didn't learn it yet. But I remember I was talking to a chavrosa of mine, we were discussing this idea, this idea of like, we are transformed through our challenges and there's a new version of us. And we ended up discussing how I wasn't the same person that I, I was. And that even though there are challenges that come back to it, even if we're coming back to this, a similar challenge, we're coming back as different people, as different beings. And I think that was really like the the start of where I started looking at because there's, I think, this like very popular idea that Hashem keeps giving us the same challenges until we master that challenge, right? There's clearly something new that I've learned along the way that I'm coming back to this test. And what can I tap into within me that can allow me to succeed here? Because I have so it. Beautiful. I do have it within me. I've already got it. So what am I coming to here? Oh, Wow. That is gorgeous. Like those two points. Number one, how would I approach this problem or issue or insecurity or situation in my life if I was approaching it from the lens of my godly soul? And then once I'm approaching it through the lens of my godly soul, even if I keep seemingly coming back to the same exact issue, which I think a lot of us do because we have personalities that are very set for many years, et cetera. Can I recognize that even my physical vessel has been changed by me going out of my limitations and addressing this through my godly soul? Even the way that I'm approaching this is different, deeper, more godly. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So you're speaking a little bit, not to call you out, but you're speaking a little bit in the abstract. And I'd love if you could give us like a real example in your life, like the actual thing. It doesn't have to be crazy vulnerable. So go where you're comfortable, but I feel like it would be so impactful to hear you speak about an actual example where you've experienced this, where you approached it through the lens of your godly soul. What did that look like? And then how did that change you so that even when you return, you return differently? I need a moment. One second. Okay. Because it is easier to talk about something abstract. It's not even like I don't have an example. It's that it's so pervasive Mm. that it's hard to like be like, oh, this is a great example of that. Okay, I have a great one. So one of the things that I've experienced and have consistently come across is an actual hypersensitivity I have. One of the things as part of my, my package in this world is a hypersensitivity to rejection. I will try and avoid a no at like, all costs. And I will pre-plan my encounters with people to engineer them so that I don't end up in that situation because it's extremely difficult for me. And it's one of the things that in this world we have to 
sometimes encounter. And it got to a point where it wasn't sustainable. I like I'm saying it, in this world, we cannot pre-plan every person's response to us. And every person has their own accounts and every person has their own limitations. And at a certain point, you need to start reaching out to people. And that was sort of where I was at. And if I had to ask someone, like for something as like, I don't want to say as simple because it's so incredible that people open up their homes in this way, but like as a single person living in a city that I don't have family in, I'm constantly reaching out to people for Shabbos meals. It's not the most vulnerable thing that you could ask for necessarily, but in a certain sense, it's this constant, who can I ask? It's this constant thing that you have to be thinking about because Shabbos comes every week and every single week, you know, Thursday is just like a hard day for me because I'm just, it was getting like a little bit unsustainable. And I remember at some point just asking myself, just like tapping into this idea of how does my godly soul want to experience Shabbos? And just tapping into the connection that can happen and the experience that I'm looking to have and asking people, and and I know this sounds like a little bit strange, but really when I'm reaching out to someone, if it's good for you, I would love to join you guys for Shabbos and experience Shabbos in that way. And just being able to recognize that like when we're asking for things in this world, which sort of goes into like the Hasidic perspective of tzedakah, right? Tzedakah is good for the person, like anytime that we're giving and we're engaging in an exchange, there's something good for the giver and also something good for the receiver. And, and just being able to like tap into that space of how am I experiencing this? How are we experiencing this together and, and and really entering that godly place, which is the place where we're able to leave Mitzrayim? How? Because when we look at the Mitzrayim paradigm, right? Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. We were slaves to Parim Mitzrayim and we became servants to God. That was the shift. We didn't just go from being slaves to Mitzrayim to being free-for-alls. Mm. We went from being slaves to Parim to serving God. And that is that perspective of I can shift from being stuck to the circumstance of maybe getting a rejection, or I can go to the perspective of this is a moment of connection to another person and to God. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. You hit on such a central point when we speak about Yitzhak Mitzrayim and the exodus from Egypt, because it's not just not being slaves to Pyro anymore. It's something else. Whenever... We talk about going out of our limitations, going out of our comfort zone. If it's not in order to manifest our godly soul in our lives, then we're like missing a link. Yeah. So I love how you said it's like, so I have this fear of rejection. And instead of just saying like, get over it and push yourself to text, get into a different headspace. So you have to replace it with something else, replace it with that higher part of yourself, that deeper part of yourself. And to say, how can I approach this from the perspective of my godly soul? It's very beautiful. So taking that example one step further, Shabbos Mm -hmm. comes around every week. You're still living in Jerusalem without family. Mm -hmm. Have you found that Thursdays get easier? Is it easier to reach out to people and say, I'd love to join you for Shabbos? Or is it still like, okay, reframe. I'm going to approach this from another perspective. I'm at a point now, thank God, where there's a flow to it. But what will knock me off is when I do get to that no, right? 
reaching out has become easier. And then the no can sometimes knock me off. And what's interesting is that then I have to re-engage in that thought process of, okay, that happens. And how can I re-engage with my godly soul to continue experiencing Shabbos the way that my godly soul wants to experience Shabbos? Or the way my godly soul wants to use Shabbos as a connection to God, and then empowered to reach out again, or to re- reach out to someone else, or to make a different plan for Shabbos, right? To invite people over instead and, and have a meal like that, or find another form of connection that may be available to me in that way. But coming back to that place of how does my godly soul want to engage in this, right? And this translates over, you know, into a more general way, right? Like, how can I engage in a relationship in this way? How can I do something that I need to do? The things that come up in our day-to-day life that we are avoiding or we have resistance to, how can I show up to those things from that place of, I'm in a connection space. I'm connecting from this space now. You have to really be able to articulate to yourself, okay, this fear of rejection. Because I feel that in your example, you can convince yourself that like the fear of rejection is coming from a good place because I don't want to like put myself onto people and I don't want to be a nuisance. So it's so easy to convince yourself like, no, this is my godly soul. As, okay, go. You're like bursting to say something. Say it. Okay. This is amazing. So the yeah. Rebbe actually in this mimer goes on to say that the capacity for Yetzirah Mitzrayim during Gullus is greater than the capacity for Yetzirah Mitzrayim that existed at the time of the base of Mikdash. Wow. Because during the time of the base of Mikdash, the Yidin experienced godliness and they were keeping terror and mitzvahs because it made sense, because it was very clear there is a base of Mikdash. I see these, right? There are the 10 miracles that are happening. It's so clear to me that godliness is real. And therefore, I'm doing what Torah tells me to do, what, what's spelled out to me, because it makes sense to me. Because in order to act from this place of our godly soul, we have to suspend reality a little bit. Because reality tells us something very, very, very limited. It tells us about the reality that's in front of me, in front of my nose, which for me in Jerusalem might be I'm alone, right? I have to suspend reality a little bit and say, but my godly soul wants to have a really connected Shabbos. So how can I facilitate that? And I have to suspend reality a little bit. And during the time of the base Mikdash, our natural Avaida was not, it didn't necessitate that. When we're living in a space where things are completely revealed to us and everything just follows order and logic, I don't have as much room in my life to stretch that muscle of needing to suspend reality and create the CTS and Triumph experience. Mm-hmm. Rebbe says is that during Gullus, when it's dark, and especially at this point in Gullus, where we are so close and we're so close to Mashiach, but it's so, so dark and it gets darker every day, that's the point where we have to suspend reality the most to engage in the CTS and Sarayim experience because it's not obvious to us at all that we're able to get to the root of what our soul is capable of and reveal it. And that's ultimately what reveals Mashiach in this world. That rings so true in today's world because I'm at a point where I actually don't know what cause leads to what effect. There's been so many random causes that led to random effects that don't follow the natural order of what I have come to expect from the world. Like there's a certain element of chaos, I think, that we're experiencing. And so it's why not harness that chaotic energy 
and actually believe in the miracle that your godly soul can guide this interaction. And then the other person will also respond from their godly soul. Because in your example, what I think is that it could be uncomfortable when you reach out to someone, but if you're really interacting with them from your godly soul, I think it awakens the godly soul in them mm-hmm. that also wants to be a part of this reciprocal relationship where you can enhance each other's lives and be a part of each other's beautiful Shabbos experience as two Jews coming together in a holy city. When you operate from that space, you awaken that space in others. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. Give us more examples. The examples are so powerful because the concept is gorgeous. And then how do I actually bring that into my life? Because I want to harness that. I don't want it to just be a nice concept. Another place that I've actually started experiencing this is actually in the way that I interact with food and with eating and just being able to ask that question again of how do I engage, how do I want to nourish myself from this highest place? And it's not that like the answer becomes necessarily different because when I'm just, you know, interacting with food, I'm, I have this whole list of all my shoulds of how I would like to eat healthy. I would like to eat this, right? In a logical way, right? There's the things in front of me that makes sense. Okay, I should eat that way. But in reality are actually a little bit difficult because there are other things that I might want too, right? Or there's an element of struggle. We only encounter a restraint when we're rubbing against it. We could be in a pen, right? I don't know, like a a gated area. And as long as my life is small enough to exist in that space, I never encounter that limit. I never know that there's a Wow. Right. But the minute that my life gets bigger and I'm trying to do something bigger than that life, right? That's when I hit that restraint. And what comes to mind is like the experiment of a lion in a cage. He learns to live his life in the constraints of like that four by four space. And then you take him out and you put him in a bigger room, right? And he'll still continue walking around in the space that was his cage because he has trained Mm -hmm. himself to learn that he doesn't move more than four steps this way and four steps that way and four steps this way and four steps that way, even though that limitation doesn't exist. I can only break through that limit by finding that border, by rubbing against it. So back to the example of food, right? The only reason that it becomes hard for me is because there's something I know that I should be doing. Like, I don't want to be eating this way, but I have a should in my head. I should be doing something else. And I'm encountering that block. And how do I get past that block? By recognizing that there's something bigger than it and and asking myself the question, how would my unlimited self be nourishing my body? If everything is suddenly available to me, how can I power that unlimitedness? Okay, that point is brilliant because we look at, oh my gosh, I just, I'm actually like, wow, I'm serious. Because we look at limitations in our lives, like if someone's dealing with low self-worth, someone was talking to me recently and they were saying that it was so upsetting to them to see this huge flaw in themselves. But when you're saying this, I'm thinking the only reason why they even encountered this flaw is because they wanted to do something that challenged that feeling of low self-worth. They wanted to do something outside of themselves. So if they wanted to keep themselves really small and tiny in their life and not ever challenge those voices, they would never even recognize that they were there. Like if you're, if someone has a fear of public speaking, 
If you never try to say something, even at a small gathering at a shop's table, you'll never even recognize that you have that limitation because you never tried. So it's like, number one, for starters, the fact that you're coming up against a limitation means that you're expanding, that like you're doing something that's big enough to make you rub against. I love how you said that, that gate. If you exist in the middle of that giant clearing that you live in, then you'll never recognize that there's actually a fence around your life. Okay, that is beautiful. It totally changes the perspective. It's like your godly soul is starting to outgrow your life. So it's starting to feel the limitations of your internal talk. That is so powerful. So powerful. I feel like you hit something there that's really profound and that's really comforting. Yeah. And what's even more comforting about that is that when we encounter these limitations in our life, we get to know that there is a a process that we can go through to get out of them. One of the things that we speak about in this piece is that Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the fact that the Jews were taken out of Mitzrayim by Hashem is the prototype for any future redemption exodus that can happen after that. And one of the things that Hasidus teaches us is that the only reason that Mitzrayim exists is so Hashem can take us out. The only reason that the Jews were ever in Mitzrayim was so that Hashem could facilitate this exodus. So Hashem can take us out. So the minute that we we begin to recognize that we're rubbing against the limitation, what do we have to do? It's not that I have to become stronger than this, right? It's not that my godly soul is stronger than that, stronger than whatever the limitation is. It's that my godly soul can accept God, right? I accept God and then God can take me out. And I think that that's actually a very important point. It's not that this idea of Yitzhak's time is just strong holding or strong willing like our limitations away. We're saying, okay, we're accepting a higher authority on these limitations. We're saying, you are not going to define me. I'm going to be defined by God. And therefore now God is able to step into that picture. He's able to Mm. create more space for us. I like that. And this line that is coming to me is, you know, like from the Haggadah, right? Right. We have Avadim Hayinu Mitzrayim. We're slaves to Parim Mitzrayim. V'yetienu Hashem Alekinu Misham, right? Hashem took us out. V'yad Chazakur B'Mitzrayim too. Like, it wasn't that we strong-armed our way out of Mitzrayim. Hashem came and, and took us out with a strong hand, right? You know, and if God didn't take us out at that point, like, we would still be there. We do not have the power on our own to take ourselves out. When we recognize these restraints, like we have two options. We can either keep rubbing against that restraint, but we'll stay there. Or, and then maybe go back to living a smaller life, right? We'll be like, okay, I've learned to this boundary. I'm going to go the other way and see how far I can get in the other, in the other direction. Or we can recognize there's something bigger going on here and surrender ourselves to Hashem. To me, it's a question of identity because the whole world is focused on reaffirming and reaffirming to you that your identity is your body and your body's limitations and the limitations of time and the limitations of so much. And this is basically to redefine this and say, no, my identity is my godly soul. When I'm operating from that place, then God is lifting me out because my godly soul is a part of God. So that's exactly the question that you said at the beginning. How would I respond to this if I was coming from my godly soul? The food example makes me think about how so often I think, oh, I don't have time to make lunch. 
or I don't have time to daven, or I don't have time to exercise or different things that my godly soul wants me to do to be in a wholesome space. And then when you do it, you see how it lifts you above your life. Very simply, you exercise, you have so much more energy. You think I have a limited amount of energy. If I exercise in the morning, I won't have energy for my day. And it's exactly the opposite. Right. hundred percent. I love it. It's beautiful. Okay. Rifka, what advice do you have for people in their life brushing up? I mean, for starters, if you're brushing up against a limitation, then you're doing something right because you're growing and your life is outgrowing the container that it has previously been in. But if someone is brushing against that limitation, what advice would you have for expanding the vessel? What advice would you have for tapping into the godly soul and to really come to that place of daily freedom and daily T.S. Mitzrayim? The greatest advice that I think I can I can offer to someone is to keep asking questions, to keep being curious about what we're rubbing against and what resistance we're encountering. And I think a few times I, I referenced the fact that I turned in when I asked a question. And that's something that I practice very often is just being willing to ask myself a question and trust that there's an answer somewhere within that's ready to present itself. Because that's what will guide us through. It's learning and sometimes getting ourselves reacquainted with our inner knowing or our inner voices that are battling themselves out, right? That's Tanakhasidus, that there are these opposing voices, but the only way that we can get to know them is by talking to them and creating a dialogue. So just asking those questions and then just sitting in the knowledge that even if you're coming back to the same challenge, you're coming back as a new person. You're not just going through the motions every single time. You're actually coming back as a new person, as a new creation. And to really just sit with the knowing of what your unlimited soul is capable of and just getting to know what your infinite soul is and who she is and how she expresses herself and what her desires are. The more we know our soul, the more we can act as our soul and be our soul and embody our soul. Mm. Not just in every generation, but every single day of our lives to be able to, it's really expanding our physical reality to make space for the infinite potential that we have within us. That's yeah. the CSM time. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Where in your life are you currently feeling limited? Where can you feel your personal limitations poking your ribs as you try to stretch? What would happen if you suspended reality for a moment? Suspended all the terrible potential outcomes of taking this risk. All the opinions of the people that might reject you. All the ways you might embarrass yourself or fail or prove your inner critic right. And instead, simply turned to your godly soul and asked her to take the wheel, just for a moment. What does my godly soul need from me in order to take me out of Egypt? How can I stretch myself a little bit to make room for the miracle of my potential? We are all enslaved to something. Some of us to the world's opinion of us, some of us to negative habits, some of us to our phones, some to materialism, some to the pursuit of perfection, some of us to an internal critic that we've grown to believe more than our soul's voice. There is a paro inside of you 
that spins a cage around your soul. And the smaller you keep your life, the less you'll feel his control over you. And then there is a Nachshon Benaminatav. There is a brave, courageous fire inside of you that dares to take that first bold step into the sea, dares to expand your life so that you begin to recognize that there is actually a paro that needs to be fired from its position, and dares to drown in all the potential failures, in other people's judgments, in the way this journey of the soul could all go horribly wrong. But you can take that first step anyway that daring push against your limitation and watch watch how God splits the sea for you how he lifts you beyond nature into the limitlessness of your soul Elokai <laughs> zakinina Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at humanandholy or via email at humanandholy at gmail.com. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.